Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Witness this bag that I got is overpriced and you can't get this long. You in your bag now, and you ain't never been a man. You gotta brag now, and you ain't never been the type to finish last now. You made it to the NBA from a class clown. It's crazy how this shit changed. Yeah, yeah, they won't love you if you stay the same. Yeah, yeah, they won't love you if you feel your pain. You got that platform, but it speak your truth. Penetration through these words, fuck they bulletproof. Time to get me. Time to get me. Cause I'm in my bag, oh, and I won't finish last, no, no Cause I'm in my bag, oh, you in your bag now Alrighty guys, we are live with yet another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast Before we get into the nitty gritty, man, I want to make sure I'm reminding you guys to like this podcast, subscribe to this podcast Give us a five star rating if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever Wherever you get your podcast, it goes a long way to help get this podcast out uh, to the people who love it and uh, need to see it. So, this was, that was my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the intro. It's also going to be him on the outro. But, you know, into the nitty-gritty, man, we are joined by uh, one of my good friends, a guy who's very well-traveled, uh, a DMV native as well. And uh, he's currently out in Spain, man, getting it done with, with Mark Gasol's team on uh, in, in Corona. Uh, well, we're blessed to have none other than Cam Taylor on the Washington Bad podcast. So, uh, Cam, thank you for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me, Brody. No doubt, no doubt, man. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Alexis. Alexis, man, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good, man. Glad to be back home, man. Been on the road for uh, shoot, for the last two weeks, so it's, it's it's good to be back in Japan, you know, back settling a little bit, so, you know, back, back, uh, back home, so you know, definitely feeling great, feeling great, but Nah, man, we definitely want to want to get get right into it, Cam. Obviously, you know, you're a guy who I think has uh, one of the most unique stories that that I've heard. Just you know, coming from Division Two, you know, obviously growing up in 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 the DMV, playing at Dematha, and just really working your way up all the way through, you know, the overseas ranks, and you know, got the first touch of, of NBA summer league this summer. We'll get into that later on in the podcast, but you know, I just want to kind of get started. Just tell me, you know, about just your upbringing, man. How you kind of got introduced to basketball growing up back in the DMV. And uh, just kind of yeah, I, I guess how did you end up, you know, obviously getting getting to Dematha on the on 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 that team with Mike Jones, but just talking about your upbringing, just growing up in the DMV and kind of what introduced you to, to to the game of basketball. Uh, for sure. So um, basically, uh, got to give the props to my mom. Um, you know, she kind of put the ball in my hands first. Um, when I, at a young age, um. She wanted to get me into a lot of sports. So I was actually playing like um, football, track, and uh, basketball all the way up until um, I want to say like 10th grade. Like I was, you know, kind of juggling those three. Those three were my favorite. I, You know, I played baseball. I played uh, soccer when I was young, young. But 
those are my three main, like coming up from like sixth to like 10th grade. Um, I went to St. Jerome's, um, you know, that's where I kind of fell in love with the game, although I was a football player at heart. But um, at St. Jerome's, you know, we had uh, Quinn uh, as an eighth grader, Vic as an eighth grader. So, you know, just being behind them and watching what they was doing in St. Jerome's was like, you know, it's like, dang, I, I want to do that type thing. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I kind of fell in love with it at St. Jerome's. I uh, had a, you know, a rough seventh grade year. Um, I didn't play a lot. But, you know, our team was loaded. We had Quinn and we had, you know, a whole bunch of eighth graders. So I had, you know, just wait my turn type thing. Um, my eighth grade year, I ended up, uh, you know, making the team. Oh, well, I was already on the team, but I ended up uh, being on the team, being a starting point guard. And uh, we ended up winning the championship and, you know, it was hung the banner in the St. Jerome's gym. Um, you know, it, just just kind of like having that championship feeling at a young age, you know, kind of, you know, uh, get you gets gets the the love going. Like, you like, I want to keep feeling this type thing, you know. Sure. So, um, you know, I wasn't always so, you know, for those who don't know me, I'm like six, six, like, you know, two fifteen, whatever. Um, back when I was young, eighth grade, I was probably five, four, maybe one oh five, maybe like I was very, very small. And that's as an eighth grader. And, uh, you know, coming into ninth grade, um, you know, we won the championship, whatever. But, you know, I'm like super skinny. I'm not ready for no high school ball. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, all my, you know, friends are kind of bigger than me. They're going off to their high school, picking their high school. Um, I got to basically, you know, I'm I'm still scrambling trying to, because the, the high schoolers don't want me, you know, because they don't, you know, I'm, I'm super small. You got to, you know, end up taking a chance. They want people that's ready. They want people they can build. But, you know, I was pretty small. So um, a funny story, um. I actually didn't want to go to Damatha. I wanted to go to Gonzaga and or St. John's, but you know, Coach Jones, you know, kind of, you know, seen something in me. Talked to my parents and was like, "Hey, he can come out here. He can try for the freshman team. He can, you know, possibly make the freshman team." But just know he has an opportunity here. So um, Coach Jones probably definitely was the you know the first person to kind of give me a shot, you know, per, per se. Um, as a ninth grader, you know, I, I'm to proving myself, you know, um, I'm still doing basketball, still, still doing football, um, as a football player, you know, ninth grade on the math at five, five, one, ten, maximum wet. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you can imagine like, ain't, ain't no, ain't no, ain't no room on the team for me there. So I'm playing against, you know, big dudes, like the already men type thing. You know how Damatha get down. So uh, basically, long story short, you know, I kind of fell out of love with, with football pretty early. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was not ready for that, you know, adjustment. So I ended up, uh, you know, trying out for the freshman team. And uh, it was a whole bunch of good players. Like, um, I don't know if you remember Tevin Johnson and Mick Miller and, you know, all those guys, uh, obviously, in the varsity, you had James Robinson and, and Jeremy and, you know, all those guys. But they weren't even thought about for a freshman team. So, um, you know, I had some already, like, kind of ready guys for a freshman team. But, you know, like, my mom always raised me to, you know, kind of outwork the next person. You know, um, as long as you work hard, you know, you're going to be seen. You're going to be, you know, noticed. So, you know, you don't get your head down. You just, you know, um, you know, get your put uh, just just grind basically. Right. 
So uh, basically, that's what I did. Um, ninth grade, you know, I was probably like the 15th um, pick on the team. I think we keep 18 players. I might have been like probably the 15th, the, the 15th man type thing. And basically had to work my, you know, way to get some minutes on freshman team. Um, with the Matha, you know, they, they look at the freshman team and, you know, they kind of chop from there. So out of that 18, you know, whoever makes JV, you know, is, is, is the top 12, basically. And then you got the incoming freshmen that, you know, are on JV. So like the following year, my 10th grade year, um, I'm trying out for JV. I'm still, you know, I'm pretty, still pretty small and, you know, it's still pretty discouraging, but, you know, my work got me, you know, that far. So it's like, you know, why not, you know, give it my best shot? Like put my best forward, has put my best foot forward, hasn't let me down yet. You know what I mean? So uh, I go out there, put my best foot forward. I ended up uh, making the team and ended up, long story short, um, becoming a starter on that team and being one of the, you know, the main guys on the JV squad. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just the story all the way up to, you know, um, making the math the team. It's, it's been a journey. <laughs> Quite a journey. So even with, even with playing at DeMatha, I went to McNamara. So even just playing at DeMatha and how that, um, kind of panned out for you, what made you want to stay at DeMatha instead of maybe transferring to another, um, school in the WCAC, maybe trying to play mm -hmm. your cards, see if you could, you know, get more playing time there or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that might look like, what kind of made you stick around and still want to play at DeMatha? Um, so number one, uh, the brotherhood at DeMatha is different than anything that I've ever experienced. Like, uh, going there my freshman year and like basically bonding with, everyone like there are no like they're obviously like uh you know uh guys who hang out with their sports or whatever but there is no clicks like everybody is welcoming to everybody everybody says what's up to everybody like everybody is cool with everybody like I could probably I knew everybody's name first name on face first name basis if I didn't know them personally I knew of them and like if they didn't know me they knew of me like I don't know, like uh, just being a part of that and being, you know, just surrounded by that was super, super welcoming. Um, number two, um, I was wanted by Damatha. So like after my freshman year, like, you know, they wanted me to stay. I was I knew everybody. I was comfortable. Um, I felt like, you know, even though Damatha is, you know, one of the top high schools in the country. So at the time, I didn't know if I would make varsity or not, but I didn't care because, you know, the guys, you know, they wanted me to be there. So to leave and kind of take the risk for a McNamara or a Gonzaga and kind of just like, you know, uh, take the gamble of going there would be, I wouldn't say not smart, but it would be a risk. It'll be a big risk. So I found my niche in the math and that's, that's probably the, the biggest reason I stayed. Now I feel like we had James, uh, we had James Robinson on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we were asking just about those those high school teams back at the Matha around around that time, and um, we asked him about you, man. We was like, yo, just seeing obviously where Cam is at now, like getting to play Euro League and NBA Summer League. I I can remember I went to the Matha camp when I first met you and James, all y'all back in the day, and um, it was crazy because at that time you weren't really playing that much, and it's like. Yeah. You obviously ended up going to, to seeing Hale, which is a Division II school, and given the other guys on that Maverick team who were going high major, like, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
So given how your career has turned out, like looking at where you are now, and then back then, you know, not getting rid of the minutes that you got in high school, like, was there a time when you questioned, like, damn, like, should I have went to a different high school? Maybe I would have went D1. Should I have, like, went to a different school? Maybe I would have played more? Like, how do you look at that now, given, like, when you look back, you round, you on the cusp of the league now, you know what I'm saying? So how do you kind of look back on that, on that time period? So, um, so continuing from my 10th grade story, my junior year, um, you know, I'm, I'm working for Barkley now. Like at this time, like, you know, James is on there, Jeremy's on there, Mikhail, um, you know, they have a, a couple seniors, um, you know, a, a lot of guys from JV, you know, you got the freshmen, incoming freshmen, like now I'm with the big leagues and now it's like, damn, like, can I make this team like with Jones, with, with the number 10, top 10, top five high school in the country? So uh, just as I did my freshman and sophomore year, I put my best foot forward. And long story short, uh, I was basically one of the last guys to make the team. And man, it, just coming from where I came from and the doubt and, you know, all of that stuff, like from the previous years, like just being on the team was just uh, a gift enough. You know, it was just a blessing enough. But, you know, after that year, I, I didn't play. I didn't have much – I didn't get much time. We went to the Alhambra tournament, and I had kind of like a breakout game, had like 14 points, 15 points or something like that. And, uh, you know, from there, you know, it was time to work towards my senior year. And my senior year is when, you know, it's like, what you going to do now? Like, you know, you're a senior. You you got the uh, – you got – these these top dudes is when we had BJ, we had um, James, we had Jeremy, we had uh, Jairus, we had Kelvin, Marcellus, like we had a whole bunch of guys. So I'm just trying to, you know, I'm I know that we have capable players to win, but I'm just trying to do my job so we, you know, keep winning. I don't want to be that guy that you know kind of throws everything off. I don't know where my place is my senior year, but all I wanted to do was win and. You know, coach, I asked Coach Jones, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, and honestly, he was just, you know, put me in the positions where I could, you know, just kind of be myself, you know. And I, and I, when I say that, it just means like, uh, like work. Like I've always been a worker. I've always worked hard. So like to be in the positions to play defense, to uh, to get the rebounds, to make the extra pass, to hit the open shot. Like I didn't need the ball in my hands to, you know, make a difference on the team. So I had to, you know, make my difference on the team like that way. So um, through the course of the year, um, I didn't, I wasn't really scoring that much, but we were winning, you know, and like through us winning, like I didn't have no worry. Like everybody that comes through the math goes D1, you know, so like, you know, as long as I'm doing my job, as long as we winning, like it don't matter to me. Like I'm, I'm cool. Coach Jones is preaching to us. You, know, you play for the team. We play for each other. Everything is going to work out. So um, we're going to fast forward to the end of the season. Um, basically, everybody committed. Um, I think James going to Pitt. Jeremy's going to Syracuse. Um, uh, a couple of our other uh, guys have committed. Um, I want to say the Smith Twins was on our team. Um, committed. Uh, Marcellus was committed. Jacksonville. And I'm basically one of the lone seniors not committed. So... Um, that summer was was really hard because, you know, um, I didn't come from, um, I would say, like a basketball family. I mean, my family, there's people in my family that did play basketball, but not really, you know, big names like a Harvey Grant or, you know, 
as, as such as that. So I didn't have anybody. I didn't play for no big AAU team. So I didn't really have anybody in my corner except for Jones and Damatha. So I basically had to put all my eggs in one basket and trust in, you know, that it will work out for me. And um, basically, like, I I had honorable mention for at the end of the year, but I was not, let's say, uh, aggressive in my scoring. Like, you know, I'll just take what comes to me. I'll just go get a rebound. And at this point, I'm still only 6'3", um, like 190. Like, I'm very skinny, um, very, like, medium height. You know what I mean? Um, there's no, like nothing that jumps off the page for college to come get me. You know what I mean? So uh, it's basically the same I was going through as when I was when in eighth grade, you know, when the high schools, you know, that was just kind of like, uh, nah, we're going to go with, you know, somebody else, you know? So um, through the summer, um, you know, I'm working out, but I don't have anybody to work out with. I'm going to the rec center and, you know, kind of just doing drills that, you know, I learned in the math of camp or to learn from, you know, that I'm used to doing in practices with Jones. So uh, one story that always will, will remain with me, um, Coach Jones comes to me, uh, let's just say um, it's the summer. I want to say it's like early, early summer, like June, um, like June, mid, uh, early June. He comes to me and he's just like, uh, Cam, I got a school for you. Are you. Have you been working out? So at this point, I can't tell him no. Like, what do you mean? Like, this, this is my opportunity. He's like, yeah, I got a school for you. Like, you've been working out. So I'm like, yeah, I've been working out. He's like, Jones, you know, he always got to, you know, make sure he's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. You know, I'm excited. I'm just I'm just ready to go. But, you know, uh, truth be told, I've only been working out by myself and only can get the amount of work I could get in by myself. Like, you only can push yourself to, you know, a certain limit type thing. So um, ended up being Mount St. Mary's and uh, Mount St. Mary's had one college coach. I mean, yeah, one college coach coming in to see me and it was just me and Jones and we went through a workout and man, you know, them, them single workouts, them joints is crazy. Like them joints, they do it. They get hard within the first five minutes. So we doing, you know, moves at the cone, you know, finishing, got to finish with a dunk, you know, show them your athleticism, show them your handling, um, I'm, I'm tired within the first five minutes. So it's, it's looking, it's looking, uh, looking shaky. So, um, <laughs> fast forward, fast forward, we get through with the workout. So me and Jones, uh, Jones goes talk to the coach, you know, before I get over there, you know, I'm out of breath. I'm drenched in sweat. I, I barely did even a 20 minute workout. I walk over there to the college coach and he's basically like, yeah, you're going to have to come better than that. Like, if, if that's what you got to work with, like, I don't know what to tell you type thing. Like basically gave me this crazy heat check. Like I, I went home and was, was distraught, heartbroken. Like that's my only chance. Well, had my only chance to basically, you know, kind of get a, a, get a, a college scholar, a D one joint. And that's what the D one coach tells me. And I'm in there working my butt off. Like, I know I'm a hard worker. I'm, I'm working by myself. Like I'm thinking like, how can I just go to the next level? So, uh, long story short, we fast forward. Um, it's now like July from July 1st to July 31st for about four hours a day, every single day for of July, I went to Keith Vini. 
Keith Vini put me through, you know, he was working in Washington Bible College and um, we had these four hour workouts and I would literally like sweat out of like two freaking uh, two freaking uh, outfits. I had to bring like three, three sets of clothes just to leave dry from the gym because it was a sauna in there. But, um, you know, I've been working with him and basically I got to a point where where my confidence was through the roof, where I knew I was good, where I was working with guys from the WCAC, where I was looking just as good as them, where I looked like I should be at a D1 spot. But at this point, you know, uh, it's getting kind of late. You know, everybody has got their guys um, and I'm trying to figure out what to do. So, um, you know, I'm going in and out with, you know, Coach Jones. He's trying his best. He's talking to Quinnipiac. He's talking to um, uh, who else did I have? Um, Sienna. He's talking to all these mid-majors and they're just like, nah, we got our guys. We got our guys. We got our guys. So um, me and my mom and my Jones end up meeting one day and we're talking and, you know, we're trying to, you know, figure out what the options are. And, He's just like, yeah, like there are no D1 offers. You know, we can keep waiting or you can try D2 or you can go to um, prep school. So I'm looking at my mom like, you know, what should we do? What should we do? Like, I'm I'm just like, I just want I just want to hoop like, at this point. I'm ready to commit. All my friends have committed. I'm just ready to, you know, continue with my with, with my story, with my journey. And, uh, you know, because I feel like I deserve it as well. You know, I was on the team as well. Like, where where is my flowers at? Thanks. So, um, you know, we're on it. We're in there and he's just, you know, going over the options. And at this point, you know, my mom isn't, uh, you know, the richest lady in the world. She's always done her best. She, she, you know, went out of her way to, you know, put us in the best school and the math ain't cheap. So, like, you know, the math kind of like, you know, are in, is in her pockets. Um, my brother is about to come to the math the, the next year. So she's just like, that prep school, I don't know. Like, unless you get a full ride, we we can't go that route. So I'm like, yeah, you, you I mean, you sure? Like, like, let's just try, mom. Like, I'm just like, I'm, I want to go D1, you know, because Jones believes I can go D1. I believe I go to D1. I put all this work in. Like, I'm ready now. So she's just like, okay, we're going we gonna to see. So, um, uh, we also, you know, went over the option of D2. There's Willing Jesuit and Glenville State that asked me to come up there and, uh, work out for them. And I am fully confident. I've been, you know, working with Vini four hours a day, uh, you know, every single day, like there, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm about to barbecue everybody that, that gets in my way. So um, I ended up going up there and let's just shorten up the story. Um, I ended up going against uh, Wheeling Jesuits, uh, best player at the time. And, uh, you know, the coach kind of puts me against him one-on-one. Killed him. Like, literally, they offered me a full scholarship right after the workout. Went to Glenville State. Um, they put me in a five-on-five with the team. Like, I looked like I was, like, I was already on the team or I had already been on the team. Offered me a full ride right then. Like, and just kind of, like, you know, leaving from those situations kind of gave me, like, a a sigh of relief. Like, a wow, like, all right, like, I got it. Like, uh, we, my mom's good now. She so don't got to pay for prep school. I got a college I can go to. I got guys that want me. 
Um, but there was one more school, and that was Seton Hill. And uh, they ended up, and I, at this point, I'm still, you know, going to Vini every day. They ended up coming to Maryland to watch me work out. So, you know, they kind of watch me work out, go through a workout. They invite me to, you know, um, to the school for, you know, to, to kind of examine me. And I went against their best player, killed him. Full ride, at, like, on the spot. So I'm there actually um, with my dad. That's the only school my mom didn't, you know, kind of ride with me to and, you know, uh, you know, uh, chaperone me type thing. So uh, I get the full ride there. The campus is beautiful. The coach is talking great. Like, yeah, this is going to be your team. Like, you're a freshman. Like, you know, just coming here, do what you do. Like, you're going to have the opportunity, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, you know, I'm going over with my family. You know, I'm like, guys, like, I'm D1. Like, I, I don't, I'm not D2. I'm D1. Like, I was killing these D2 guys. I should not be there. Like, I went up there and barbecued them, like. I'm D1. I know I am. So my family's just like, you know, like, you got to weigh your options. You don't have D1 options. Like, if you D1, go kill it in D2 and transfer out. So that's kind of my story on how, you know, the varsity to D2 happened. And, of course, you get the backlash of kind of like everybody, like, questioning, like, whoa, 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 got from DeMatha going D2? Like, what's going on here? Like, what happened here? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what was me? Like, I'm not a guy to have sympathy for myself. So I just kind of took it, you know, with a chip on my shoulder and attacked it, you know, that way. So being that you kind of had to go through your own path, you know, seeing everyone else go D1, but then having to go D2, but then now being able to have these opportunities of playing in one of the best international leagues, you know, doing G League with Phoenix. I'm in Phoenix too, so that's funny. Um, but how has that kind of, I guess you could say, created a full circle moment for you, you know, trusting yourself and not really listening to those people that had something to say about you not um, going the D1 route? Man, it's it's a feeling that I can't even like kind of put into words because like when you're going through the journey alone and when you got so many people like mm, I don't know but in your in your heart and in your mind that you know like no nah, I'm gonna prove these people wrong like that feeling is just just overwhelming almost like when uh when I was just kind of making my my way through the, you know, international ranks. Like my first year, I wasn't even like playing at a super high level. I was playing in Germany. I was, wasn't making that much money. I was playing in the second league, but to me, like I was playing basketball for money and there was dudes at home that would kill for that. And like, I never looked at, I never felt bad for myself. Like, Oh, I'm only playing at this level or oh, I'm only playing, you know, with these guys. I always looked at it as a blessing just to play basketball for money and to be in the gym, like getting paid for basketball. Like, like that, that's living the dream in itself. So I think uh, honestly, my love for the game and my, you know, my, um my story from the previous like um my previous like grind like just kind of made me stronger and built you know the person and character that I have now to you know kind of get through the ranks of the international uh international you know journey or whatever but like uh, for to answer your question it's I can't I can't even put into words
So, I mean, you mentioned it in your last response about how you started off your first year in Germany Pro B. And for the people who, I'm asking you, Pro A, Pro A, second division Germany. So you started off in, in Pro A Germany and you've played in BBL Germany, you've played in Hungary. Like, I mean, you truly worked your way all the way up through the ranks of Europe. Last year, you played EuroLeague with Maccabi Tel Aviv. What has that been like moving up through the ranks? I feel like the people who don't really understand, like, overseas basketball, when you say somebody, oh, I play overseas, like, all right. It don't matter if you second division Germany, third division Spain, if you ACB, all you think of is like over you overseas, right? So right, right. for people who don't understand like that process of moving up, like for you, what do you think was the most important part from, from starting out in Pro A Germany and then making it obviously to the pinnacle of European basketball last season with Maccabi Tel Aviv? And now this year you're in the ACB, which is the best domestic league in the world, you know, outside of the NBA, I would say like. What do you think just was the most important aspect in you moving up you know, through the overseas ranks? Because that's not something that's easy to do for a lot of guys. Right. Um, I think uh, the number one important thing was to never compare. Like, um, no matter where I was, I never compared myself to where somebody else was. Or, you know, he's at this level, I should be at this level. Or you know, why is he at this level? Like, he's not that good. Like, I always focus on myself and handling the business at hand and making sure, you know, the team that, you know, took a chance on me at the time, you know, benefited from, uh, you know, taking a chance on me. Like, I wanted to make sure, you know, I appreciated them and, you know, do well for them. Not only just, you know, kind of getting buckets on the court, but off the court. And that kind of goes into my second point, Um it's not just who you are on the court, it's who you are off the court. So I think I kind of made this jump because of my good personality, per se, because um, everything overseas is word of mouth. And, uh, you know, the first thing a, a team does is they ask, like, what kind of guy is he? Because, you know, these European teams are from are, are they already know, like, um, with these with Americans, like we're we're sacrificing 10 months out of our time and it's already hard enough being away from our families, you know, being, you know, some guys go through depression like, you know, are you going to make it harder for the team? Are you going to make it, you know, a harder thing for the team that you're already going through this? Or are you going to look at the silver lining of it or are you going to attack it positively like um, that's the first thing every manager, you know, kind of asks, like, how is he, how is he as a teammate? How is he as a guy? Like, we, does he get homesick? Um, they just have to know that you're, you know, a trustworthy person. And I think through my career, I've been, you know, positive. I've been, you know, humble. I've been, you know, good, not only to my teammates, but to the fans, to the, to the, to the, to the, townies like I still have fans hit me up on Facebook and you know people that lived in the in the neighborhoods outside of um you know Germany still hit me up on Facebook don't speak a lick of English but they knew that I was a good person <laughs> and that 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 stuff kind of like follows you you know through your career and uh, I think those are the top two things um I, maybe the third thing is you know having an agent that's you know um on your side and, you know, that's in your corner and, you know, that wants the best for you and knows, you know, where to put you type thing. Um, but as far as the top two things, I think those were the top two. 
So all your experiences, you know, kind of fast forwarding now with the most recent one with playing in summer league, you know, for me, I always think about summer league is fun. You know, it's kind of the fun side of the NBA. It's not as intense. Of course, you know, everyone's there trying to get a chance, but it's not as intense. You know, you have the more tenured NBA players coming to watch you guys. It's, it's like, you know, kind of like a bigger union. You see people that you used to play with and stuff like that. Um, so can you kind of just talk to us about just your overall um, summer league experience? Man, so, you know, you guys listening to my story from, you know, eighth grade to high school to college um, to for overseas, like you can't imagine like what my face was was or what my heart was doing when I got a letter from Phoenix Suns that said, hey, we want you to come play summer league with us. Like literally from all that stuff, all that doubt, all that grind, all that you know, hard work, all of that, just all that, everything, like to get a letter, to get a letter from the summer league team saying, Hey, we see you like come hoop with us, man. I almost, I almost broke out in tears. I ain't gonna lie. Like it was just like that feeling where you like, when you want a roller coaster and it goes straight down and your stomach drops to you, to your back is like, like, Oh my goodness. Like, I don't even know. But um, as far as, like, the summer league experience, so, you know, I was hype off the letter. Like, as soon as I get there to the, to the, uh, to the, to the, um, to the gym in the arena and start practicing, um, I'm looking at the floor like, man, this is really the Suns arena. Oh, sh this is the, really the Suns practice gym. I'm going, every, this is really the Suns locker room. Oh, this is really the Suns training room. <laughs> I'm just going around, going around like in all like, so then like, you know, after the first two days, like you got to snap out of it. It's like, all right, I'm here. Like, all right, you're done. It's, it's cool. So I'm, you know, we had practice in Arizona before we head to Vegas. And, uh, you know, we're practicing with the team, making sure we get situated. We know our plays, blah, 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 blah. So we fast forward to Vegas. I get to Vegas. We stand at the wind. I'm walking in and I'm like, okay, yeah, this joint nice. Like staying here is, is, is dope. I'm walking in the hotel room. The Siri does everything. I don't got to touch nothing. Like Siri open blinds, Siri uh, close the door, Siri turn on the lights, <laughs> like light switch right there. But I want Siri to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, nah, the experience was, was crazy. Like the, the everything was just super professional and coming from you know international and playing basketball international like the professionalism is 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 big so then so we fast forward and um you know we've been practicing I've been doing well in practices but you know I'm I'm not getting my hopes up um on this you know Phoenix Suns team like with everything that I've done eighth grade college um overseas like I'm just here to put my best foot forward so, you know, I put my best foot forward. We practice, go to Vegas. You know, it's, it's the day before the game. We play the Lakers, our first game. And uh, basically the day before the game, we have our shoot around. Coaches announces the start at five. I'm in it. I'm like, <laughs> man, I start, I start laughing to myself. In my head, though, in my head, I'm laughing. But, you know, you got to keep a straight face. Like, you know, I, I knew I was going to be starting like this. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but I'm laughing in my head. I'm like, the first thing that comes into my head, I'm like, I cannot wait to tell my family I'm about to be starting versus the Lakers in summer league, uh, you know, um, tomorrow. And uh, so I'm just kind of like, 
you know, all the all the blood is rushing, everything is going going through me. So uh as we're getting off the floor after shoot around, I'm coming off the court, like, and this is at the time where you know Phoenix was going through, like, do they want KD on their team? Are they gonna go for KD and you know, all that type of stuff? So I'm going off the floor, I'm seeing Jared Dudley, like, you know, the coach of the of the Mavs, he was the head coach of the summer summer league of the Mavs. And I'm seeing Matt Barnes and I'm seeing Steven Jackson. I'm like, oh, whoa. They, they're passing each other. The coaches are passing each other. Like, yeah, how about to get KD? Yeah, about to get KD. I'm like, whoa, I'm really in this circle. Like, they really talking about this around me. Like, I, I can hear, I can take this info back in my day. They about to get KD. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, nah, it was just overwhelming. I get back to the hotel. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, calm down and, uh, I can't I can't sleep because my my blood is rushing so I'm just so excited for for tomorrow I mean the game so basically fast forward um, I had a you know a decent game I think I had six to eight points we end up beating the Lakers um uh but you know to chalk up like the whole experience like it was still such an overwhelming experience because I'm I'm literally like in the in the hotel I'm you know dressed like you know, regular sweatpants, whatever, just like everybody else. I'm sitting in the restaurant ready to order my stuff, and I'm looking over, and Ben Simmons over there. Then I look over to the, to my left, Ime Udoka right there, and I'm like, I'm really eating with these guys. I'm I'm in the elevator with um with Mark Cuban, with with Tom Thibodeau. With I'm I'm over there. Uh, I remember one time I ain't gonna lie, I was kind of. This is embarrassing, but I don't care. So I was in the elevator, and uh, I'm coming down from my room, you know, just trying to get something to eat. Um, the joint stopped before, you know, get to the bottom, you know, pick up a person or whatever. In comes Nash. <laughs> so Steve Nash is right there. So it's just me and him in the elevator. So I'm standing right there. I'm looking at him. And I'm looking away, and I'm looking at him. Like, you know, I'm just trying to see if he real. Like, he looking at him. So I think he noticed me looking at him, and he just like, was good, bro. I was just like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> good luck tomorrow. Good luck tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, to, to answer your question, nah, it was an overwhelming experience. Um, I'm truly blessed to, to have it. Um, maybe uh to go again next summer. Um, but yeah, it was man, I can't even like I say, I can't describe the feeling. Man, listen, I can relate, man. I've never been in summer league, man, but I can't even explain to y'all the amount of jealousy that I had this summer because my brother, uh, Aaron, is working for the Clippers now. So he was out there right, right. Summer working for the Clippers. Man, I'm texting him every day, like, yo, bro, how's summer league, bro? How's it going? <laughs> so I just seen James Harden. Bro, this man talking about he was in the club. He's James Harden over there. John <laughs> John Moran over there. I'm like, damn, like he's like they all in the same spot. This man got a ride to the CVS from Isaiah Thomas, Hall of Fame. Wow. Isaiah Thomas, like pick him up, right? Up in the yeah, I got you. I give you a ride. I'm like, bro, so you just casually taking rides with, with Isaiah right. Thomas? Like, I'm sick. I was too right, sick. That's, it's different. It's different. I was sick. So nonetheless, man, I'm gonna be out there next summer. You know what I'm saying? So I can rub shoulders with some goats. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I got to ask you because obviously this is kind of, um, you know, being in summer league last year with, with, with Phoenix, <clears throat> you were also out there with Ishmael Wainwright, who's another guy who has DMV ties, played for Montrose. And, you know, not only that, but he also was a guy who was made the NBA from overseas. You know, he was in Strasbourg and France, a team that you also played for last season. Did you ever talk to him about just his journey, um, like how he kind of was able to make that leap from overseas to the NBA? 
um, how he's been able to kind of secure a number deal with, with Phoenix now. Like, what was that experience like with you guys being able to be uh, with Phoenix together this this summer? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ishmael is a great guy. And similar to me, I think he got a lot of the things that he has from being a great guy. Um, literally with Phoenix, like the man's upstanding, cheering on everybody. Like he doesn't care what he does. He does the little things, but he's not scared to, you know, kind of um, be aggressive. And that's what kind of separates him. Like he he plays his role perfectly. But at the same time, you know, kind of is not um, comparing his his situation to anybody else's. Like he's being the best him that he can possibly be. And through that, I think he made the Phoenix team. And through that, I think he got another deal with Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. And have you ever talked to him just about like, you know, kind of what was, I guess, the main thing is, or I guess pointers, like, all right, bro, like, what do you think I would have to do to kind of make it? Or, like, I guess think ways to kind of navigate that situation. Because I was watching y'all assembly League and both of y'all out there going – I was out there, both of y'all was balling together. You know what I'm saying? So right, it's, kind right. of, it's kind of cool to see because I feel like a lot of guys, especially in, in, in Ismael's shoes, who kind of come from overseas, you know, first year with Phoenix, he didn't really play much. But then suddenly they kind of gave him the opportunity to have the ball more and, and play a little bit more. And then for you, like you said, you were a guy that came right in and, and started. You know, it wasn't like you were just – another guy that was a name on the roster. Like, you actually had an opportunity to get out there and play. So, you know, for you, did you ever, I guess, uh, just ask him, I guess, um, you know, any tips or pointers and how he was able to kind of make, make all that happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, he knows and I know, well, he informed me that, you know, all this NBA stuff is very situational. You know, he kind of got his opportunity. He took advantage and, you know, he made the team. Um with NBA and with summer league and with making the team it's it's almost, there's like a, a great deal of luck that goes into it as well. Like if everybody that was skilled and everybody that was, you know, could get a bucket, could make the team, there wouldn't be a lot of the guys in the league that, you know, would be in the league. Um, I feel like, um, you know, some, the, a lot of teams need certain things, you know, and they don't need, you know, a bucket getter for every position. They don't need a shooter for every position. So, like, you know, when he was going in there, they didn't – I'm not going to say they didn't need his position, but he fit all – he could do everything. So, like, whatever they needed him to do, he can shoot, he could play the four, he can play the wing, he can play defense, he can rebound, he could, you know, handle the ball. He didn't turn the ball over. He was smart. Um, like, he had all the intangibles, and at the time where they needed a player – he kind of, you know, just kind of was able to fit in and with his good attitude kind of, you know, uh, got in like that. Um, through his overseas journey, his journey was crazy as well because he started also off, I want to say, in Pro B Germany and then kind of worked his way up and then, um, you know, kind of went with Strasbourg and then after Strasbourg, you know, kind of, you know, uh, got his opportunity. But like I was saying, like uh, with with making the NBA, there is like a a certain amount of luck that it takes to kind of you know get further within that um, opportunity. Sure. Kind of going back to something you said earlier with him just kind of being an overall good person, kind of seems like to be a theme that happens with people that come on to the podcast, starting way back with Stan Kid, just talking about how the way he's been able to navigate through different leagues and stuff has just been being a genuine person and 
you know, with you mentioning Ishmael, I definitely think that's true. I went to the son's open practice. He was taking pictures with babies. He was signing kids autographs and he was like the last person um, after campaign to leave the um, arena after signing stuff um, at the open practice. So I definitely would, you know, second everything you're saying about him getting, being a good person. I think too, some people that get so excited about the entertainment portion of sports that they don't remember that it's a business as well. So with that kind of comes with having an agent. So can you kind of talk to people about the relationship between you and your agent and how your agent kind of helps you navigate um, these different roads you can take with basketball? So actually I've had, I want to say four agents in my, in my career. Um, my first one was the, the guy who took a chance on me. Um, he was German and usually with the overseas agents, they just kind of have a plug within overseas or with internationally. So wherever they're from, they'll have, you know, a connect to get you on the team in that country or wherever they're from. So that's basically how, I, how it happened for me to get my first opportunity from out of Seton Hill. He ended up contacting me and was like, listen, I got an opportunity. Do you want it or not? And, you know, I'm just hopping on the first opportunity that I can get to, to just basically kind of get my foot in the door. Um, after that first year, he actually became a GM for another team, like out of nowhere, like didn't even didn't even tell me. So I'm just like, all right, bro, like, you know, good luck with that. But like, man, I need agent. You left me out to dry. Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, you can at least warn me. Uh, but nah, I ended up uh, looking for another guy. He ended up putting me on with another guy who's also German. And he was like, I think even smaller than him. So he's used to putting guys in, you know, lower leagues, like uh, third league, second league, fourth league, whatever. He had a lot of guys in, in that in that realm. And, uh, you know, I, I had just finished playing second league. So um, long story short, uh, I went to, you know, another team in Germany and, uh, you know, had a pretty good year. Um, but after the year, like he wanted to. So I basically was telling my agent, like, listen, I want to play in a first league because in my opinion or in my experiences, if you play in a second league or you play in a, you know, a third league too long, I feel like, you know, you start getting a tag putting on your name. Like, okay, he's a second league player. He's a great third league player, great second league player. And I didn't want that tag. So I demanded my agent, like, listen, find me a first league to play in. Like, um, no matter what the country is. And, you know, at this point, I don't really know too much, but this is what I knew that I wanted. I'm like, um, so find me a first league to play, play in. I don't care what country, but find me one. So long story short, he didn't find it for me, and I ended up firing him and going with another agent. This agent um, found me a hungry job. Um, I was in Hungary. We were, you know, I did really well. Uh, made myself, made my way back to Germany. Um, kind of, you know, did well back in Germany. Um, and then um, through firing them. It was more of a, you know, I'm at the peak of my career. Um, they were just starting out. We both kind of grew together, you know, and at that point I wanted, I had to make a decision like, you know, do I keep growing with my guys or do I go to an agency that has, you know, all of the connects and all of the, you know, um, you know, uh, power within Europe and, through a tough decision, I didn't want to do it, but, you know, I felt like, you know, the time is now type thing. I ended up firing them and went with my agency now. And um, literally, like, everything has been going well. 
Um, I did have a difficult time in in Tel Aviv, but then you know picked it back up in Strasbourg. Had a great year in Stras, a uh, great half year in Strasbourg, and now um, you know probably in one of the best domestic leagues in in Europe in in Spain. I think that's a perfect segue, man, into the next question because obviously now you're in Spain, you're in Corona, and you know you're playing with uh, probably a future NBA Hall of Famer in, in Mark Gasol. What has that experience been like? Because for those who don't know, Corona is a team who was in the second division uh, in Spain last year, was able to move up uh, to the ACB this year. But you know, they have a history because you know, like like we talked about a little bit off air, you know, the kind the team kind of went away after Mark played here as a as a kid before he came over to the league. So just talk about just this season, present day, being in Corona, um, what the situation has been like playing this year, and then what it's been like obviously having Marc Gasol as your teammate. Right. So um, I actually came to the decision not only because of Marc Gasol, but also because of my head coach, Aito Garcia. For those who don't know who that is, he's actually the, he was the head coach of Spain when they played the Redeem team. And um, – Yes. And Mark Gasol was also on that team. So I've been playing um, against my head coach in Germany where he was coaching Berlin and, uh, you know, just watching the basketball they kind of played was they, they won championships every time they were he was coaching them. But watching the basketball they played was just like, wow, like and everybody that played for him just kind of, you know, um, praises how he's such a great teacher. So actually, one of my main reasons was to play for him. Like he's he's a legend through Europe. He's coached tons and tons of talent. He had Rubio. He coached uh, and he coached these guys at young age. He's pretty old. Um, I'm not. I don't know his age, but he's definitely over. I want to say 60, 70 years old. But I don't, I'm not known for sure, so don't I don't know. But um, <laughs> he's coached a young Chris Persingas. He's coached a young Ricky Rubio. He's coached a young. Uh, uh, with other Pau Gasol, you know, Mark when he was, you know, uh, 19, like he has so much experience. He coached against the Redeem team with LeBron and Kobe and, you know, all these guys and gave him a run. Not gonna lie, they gave him a run, but, you know, he just has so much experience and he has so much to teach. Like, like I, I as, a, as a basketball player, I wanted to go play for that and, and improve my game, you know, improve what else I can add and see what else I can add to my game. So, um, yeah, he was one of my main um, um, motives for coming to Girona. Um, playing with Mark is is crazy. It still seems like he's like Memphis Mark. Like he, he gets a bucket. He, he's out here shooting threes. He out here playing defense. He's out here being competitive. Um, and then he's a, such a down-to-earth guy. Like for those who don't know, he's also the president of our team. So he's a president player. So, um, you know, he's basically kind of, you know, built this this uh, this organization by himself, like through his own money, through his own, you know, likeness and his pool. Like he's he's trying to he could have went to like Real Madrid and kind of or Barcelona in a bigger market and kind of put his money in there. But he'd rather come home and basically start this this his uh his hometown team from scratch and take it to you know the next level and do it himself like as a president and as a player so like 
just through all that, like I have the utmost respect for him and, you know, he's always making sure we're good, you know, not only because he's the president, but like, you know, just because he's a great, great guy himself. So what is like, what's he like as a teammate, man? Like, do you ever ask him, like, do you ever ask him any, any cool, like NBA stories? You're like, is he ever, do you guys ever kind of pick his brain on that stuff? Or just what's Mark like as a teammate? Cause obviously, like you mentioned, he's a little bit older now, but I mean, like you said, he's still playing, trying to get buckets. So I mean, what's, what's he like as a teammate? I mean, he has his young stories, but he doesn't share them with me. Uh, he doesn't share them with me because, you know, he has to maintain his presidential image. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, maybe maybe off the record or, you know, he'll he'll be able to talk to me one day. But um, honestly, he's still he's, he's just a competitor. Like, um, you know, he's not as young as he used to be, but you you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, like the way the man plays, like you could you could probably see it in our in our game. I don't know who watch our games or our game field or his highlights. Like he's still you know out here. He's he ain't no slouch. Like he ain't out here being a cone. He ain't out here you know people attacking him. Like he's still Mark Gasol. But um yeah, like end of the day, like the answer your question, he's a competitor. Like he loves to compete. He loves to be in the gym. He loves basketball. Is which is one of the reasons why he's still playing, just because he has such a, a great love for the game. Yep, yep. That's dope. That's dope, man. Um, I wanted to kind of ask you this, man, because I think, you know, last season, you know, obviously, like you said, you you played your league with with Maccabi Tel Aviv, played summer league. Now you're in in Girona, you know, in the ACB with a chance to elevate them some more. What would it mean to you to finally sign that NBA contract? Like just coming from Division Two, not getting minutes at the math, but like working your way through your pro A Germany your first year. Like I feel like now, you know, you're you're right there, you know, you're, you're and, and you're on the cusp of kind of actually making that happen. And you know, for you, we're we're we're, we're a big believer in prayers, you know, and, and manifesting everything <laughs> like that. I, I I believe that that God is gonna make it happen for you, man. And I think he, I'm speaking into existence now, man. So. You know, for you, like, you know, if and when you do sign that that NBA deal, man, like, what what is that going to mean to you? Just looking back on your story and, and finally making it to the pinnacle of basketball, given you know you were that five four eighth grader, one ten soaking right. wet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what would that mean to you? Um, to be honest with you, bro, if if, if that were to happen, I would probably cry. I would probably cry. I haven't cried in a long time. But uh, I would, there would probably be a few tears shed just knowing, you know, the early mornings I went through, the late nights I went through, the disappointment, the, the you know, the lows of the lows the, to not having money to, man, like, just, just everything that you just kind of, like, persevere and then kind of, like, uh, you know, grind through for that to happen or that to go through, I'll probably... Like, cause you, you literally work towards that. And that's like almost the ultimate goal. And like to reach that goal is just, would be unbelievable, especially to do it through a journey that's not taken by uh, a lot, if any people. <laughs> a kind of segue into the next thing. Um, we have a segment where we do, we kind of talk about fashion a little bit. Um, it's called match mismatch, you know, play on words there. Uh, so first question for, you know, Spain has so much fashion, so much fashion history, shows, et cetera. Have you been to any stores in Spain that you feel like were kind of unique um, that, you know, we probably wouldn't be able to experience in the U.S.? 
Um, not in Barcelona. I think the the fashion is more in Madrid. That's where the money is at. Um, that's where kind of like the you know the bougie people be at. But um, Barcelona is a more chill type of place. You know, not people, not a lot of people wearing clothes. You know, they out on the beach. You know, all the time. Like it's always hot. Um, but um, I have not been to Madrid yet to kind of you know take in that culture. But when I do, um, I will definitely be able to, you know, kind of see what they got, see what they working with type thing. So I know you're saying Barcelona people are pretty much chilling, kind of more beach wear, a little bit more real, more relaxed. So have you seen just kind of, I guess it doesn't really just have to be in Spain, but just, you know, being overseas, any kind of trend or maybe like a statement piece or something that you've seen someone wear, you're kind of like, mm, I don't know if that worked for me, but I think it's kind of cool, you know, that they have it on. Right. Um. So I actually went to um London and went to the London fashion show there and uh, people was wearing some, you know, some wacky, wacky stuff. Like they have the, the pants with, I don't know, they have some, some like design that you would see on your, on your grandma's uh, blinds or something on your grandma's curtains or, or uh, man, like they, they will be, they will be matching it up though. Like the pants will look like that. The shirt will be, you know, no, nah, I've definitely seen some different stuff for sure. I couldn't even explain it to you, but uh, London was definitely my my city where the fashion like kind of ruled. Um, and I think Milan also is one of the the fashion capitals of Europe. But I haven't like kind of indulged in Milan, but I I've seen a little bit. So how did you end up at London Fashion Week? Um, just being able to experience that. Did you go to a show or were you kind of just walking around while wow, it was kind of overly popular for fashion? Week. How did you end up there? Actually, uh, it was actually 2020, literally two months before COVID shut everything down. So uh, we were on a national team break where, you know, kind of everybody kind of has a week off and able to, you know, uh, not practice, no games. So me, one of me and my teammates uh, went to London and, uh, you know, we were just going to London just to kind of experience London. We ain't never been there before. And as we're like going in the taxi to our hotel, we see a big old billboard saying London Fashion Week is tomorrow. Like as we in there, I'm like, bro, we got to go there. Like, like, see if we can get some tickets. Like, no matter the money, like, let's just see if we can like pull up. So we go end up going there. We ended up uh, going to one of the fashion stores. Um, what's the fashion store name uh i forget it's one of the like the super popular stores in london i forget the name though um it's gonna come to me later i'm gonna be mad but uh we end up going there and getting fits and uh you know we we paying top dollar for the fit so we make sure we ain't slouching in the uh in the in the fashion show uh we end up going there watching the um you know, the models walk out and the experience was crazy because we ended up trying to get the most expensive tickets we could possibly get, like some VIP joints. So we getting the champagne and we getting the, you know, the you guys enter first treatment or here's your goodie bags, guys type treatment. Like we over there, you know, we thinking we big money. But um, yeah, like uh, the, the, the experience was great. The experience was great. You said you um, tapped into one of the fashion stores to get your fits before you went. What did you all go and buy? Um, so it's on my Instagram. So I got like this ball main silk shirt with these, uh, what I had some um, Saint Laurent pants and some Dolce Gabbana shoes. And, you know, at that time, 
we we just we just buying names like we just trying to pick the best names together and uh i think he had on his of uh, versace chains with uh you know it's on my instagram though i don't really remember he had some uh uh, McQueen's on, uh, but we, we was in there. We, we was in there. <laughs> <laughs> My boy was putting that, yo, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Right, right. Hey, that must be nice. Hey, I see, I, I tried that. I think the same thing happened to me last season. I was in Portugal. I ended up just going to Milan on a whim, and I figured out it was during Fashion Week. When I got out there, I just happened to get out there at the right time. It must, do, it must be a thing during the people break, but I couldn't get yeah. to those shows, bro. They was like, I was like, yeah, I was talking to uh, this. She was like a promoter or something for like one of the clubs. Yeah, like I'm trying to get to a fashion show. She was like, trying to do what? I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get to a fashion show. She started laughing at me. She was like, you can't, you can't get to them shows. She was like, man, you got to be right. by a designer. Like, because this, mind you, it's like, you know, got the YSL show, the all these top designers got shows. So like, yeah, you can't get in there unless you like, unless you get invited to the show personally. So I'm like, right, man, right. Y'all, I'm sick. So man, you 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 got lucky, bro, for real. To even I did, I, we did for sure. We know. Uh, we it was slow, super slow. I was like, hey, I had to watch everybody fastest from the street. I couldn't. It was over oh, forgetting any shows. Man, oh, uh, Self Ridges. That's the name of the store in London. Self Ridges. So if you ever go to London, you ever need a fit, like they got everything, everything from top and bottom. Like we we was in there, almost bought some Dior uh, Chucks. Man. <laughs> <laughs> How would you compare the style, like, from being in France, Spain, Tel Aviv? Like, you've been everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, like, which which country would you say, I guess, had the most distinctive swag? Or, like, you know, what would you say, I guess, the, the fashion kind of stood out the most based on where you've played? Um, Israel. Israel, for sure. Um, Israel was the most Americanized swag. Like, I thought I was in America the way they were dressing, like, like from the guys to the girls, like the girls, like they look like they were from the DMV. Like they look like, but they were just like, like foreign. Like they were just like, I don't know. They were just like, they just look like different, but they were dressing the same. Like the dudes would have literally the same shoes that I'd be coming out with, coming out with. I'm like, dang, I ain't go to the store. I need to bring some more joints from, from home. Like everybody got these joints out here. Like, but um, Israel definitely had the most Americanized swag and like made it like not better, but like they made it look good. They made it look good. Um, the most European swag would probably be Germany. Um, there are some like um, fashion capitals in Germany, like Berlin. Berlin, they, they dress really well there. Like that's a very Americanized city as well. They got good fashion there. But then like, you know, where I'm at, like Bamberg or... Uh, like, you know, one of those small kind of cities in Germany, they wear, you know, just the the basic thing. I ain't going to say, you know, the Lederhosen don't come out till Oktoberfest, but like, you know, they damn near may, may as well just wear that joint year round. The, way the what? Did you say that again? The what? The Lederhosen. What is that? <sighs> That's the that's the little onesie they be wearing uh, on Oktoberfest, like the little green onesie when they be, uh you know, I don't even know how to explain. But you look that one up. I never heard that one before. Alexis, you know what yeah. that is? I usually know, but I don't know about this. <laughs> That's what the the little the little uh the little unitard they be having on. You know what I'm talking about? Who is they? Uh, Germany. So so like Germans, they wear like green leotards. 
like green like onesies like it's like, a little, it's, like, like a, it's like overall sort of or not overall yeah that's the word i'm looking because the onesie was throwing me for a loop i'm like hello like right, right. yeah yeah onesie <laughs> is the wrong term wrong term but overalls is what i was looking for okay okay i got you i got you i got you now that's funny man see learn something new every day on the what's in your bad podcast man um so it's kind of some kind of switch lanes a little bit man um kind of a new segment that we had it's kind of a play on words with the show and it's uh, you let me take me out my bag, or you you took me out my bag. And for this one, man, I want to kind of talk to you about a time when I guess some kind of maybe the politics of the game maybe threw you for a loop, or maybe something that kind of threw you off where I guess you kind of questioned, like if you were uh, becoming maybe a different version of yourself, kind of any, anything that I guess just throughout this this whole pursuit, you know, right, in, in pro basketball, like that you feel like something that um, I guess threw you off or kind of was mentally hard for you to kind of get over or deal with? Like, what was, can you talk about a time like that where you kind of had to, I guess, persevere or you felt like maybe, uh, I guess, challenge you mentally or personally? Mm, I mean, I think the the obvious answer is always, you know, holidays without family. But, um, you know, that that you have to persevere and get through every single year but i think that's more of an obvious one that everybody has to go through so personally i want to dig in a little bit more personal um i think uh just kind of realizing that uh you know the culture that you're in or the country that you're in is not your culture like uh you know, you, the things that you like, the things that you're used to eating, the things that you're used to doing is not what they're used to doing. So unless you positively indulge in that culture or indulge in, you know, trying new things, like you will find yourself being depressed or find yourself like hating, you know, the country or culture that you're in. So I think uh, persevering as far as for personal, um, personally persevering through that and kind of like just going to every country and, you know, kind of embracing each culture I was in, that's, I think that's probably my my biggest one. That's dope. That's dope. I think, I think that's, I think for a lot of people who don't kind of play, uh, play basketball over here, man, I think that was kind of, you know, very well said, you know, for sure. Um, We've kept you on for a while, man, so I won't hold you over too much longer, man. But I got a couple more questions, kind of bringing it back home to to the the the, the, the map the scene, man. And uh, the first one I'm gonna ask is, like I said, we 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 had uh, James on, we had Mike Jones on last last year before we got, no, actually right when he got hired at Virginia Tech, and um, we asked him and James and Quinn when we had Quinn on here, uh, mm-hmm. the best the math the team, man. You know, we're gonna keep it in the in the Mike Jones era. We don't we don't gotta bring in Morgan Wooten into it, but you know. Recently, a lot, a lot of the young guys, you know, I, I talked to Jameer Young at, at UMD recently, and he was on some good Maverick teams with Earl and, and Hunter, you know, that went undefeated and stuff like that. So, you know, for you, man, what was your take on the best Maverick team to come through that school, man? I got I to gotta, I gotta hear it. Man, the, the best team? I mean, I, it's hard because uh, – the the most the most guys like was definitely my freshman year when they had Najee Hibbert, Josh Selby, James, uh, Jeremy, Jaron, uh, Vic, uh, Mikhail, uh, Justin Black was sitting was was in that rotation. 
Um, like all those guys on one squad was insane. Marcus Rouse um was on that squad. Like all those guys, they like they they look like they look like a, a NBA team. I mean, maybe maybe to me because I was you know freshman five four hundred pounds. Like you know they looking like league dudes to me. James but, had the same exact thing, bro. James man, like for sure, like that that was like the that was like the the pinnacle of like dang, this is high school. Like, am I ready for this? Like, oh my gosh. Um, but the the best like the team, the best team was probably my sophomore year when they had, uh, you know, they lost was uh, Josh Selby, Najee Hibbert, and, um, you know, they basically kept the core group and with, with Quinn and, you know, uh, everybody else. And, like, I think my sophomore year, I want to say it was 2010. The 2010 team was a very, very good team, very, very good team. But as the most guys, the most talent, man, that that my ninth grade year, I want to say it was 09 or 08, 09, that team was probably like you you would put them against anybody and they 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 it's hard to beat them. So for sure. Um next question is man, obviously like we we asked James this man too, and I know you're close with, with him, obviously Jeremy as well. Um and for you, man, obviously as your career has kind of ascended. Um, even for me, man, I think, I think for, for everybody back home, it's just been crazy to see like just where you started, bro. Like seeing you, meeting you when you when we were at the Mather camp and just seeing where you are now is, is, is has been crazy, man. Like, um, but just what has the, the, the support been like from those guys, man? I guess from the other guys, uh, that have been pros from the math, but have they been like you know, reaching out to you? What have they been, been saying and throughout this whole, throughout this whole time, man? Have they ever been like, Hey man, you remember where you was at back in the day? Like, you know, what, what's all that like with, with, with those guys? I mean, those guys just kind of know how it goes. Uh, they definitely, you know, have their surprise moments where it's like, dang, like, you at this level? Like, man, like, good luck, bro. Like, you know, keep doing your thing type type deal. But um, for, the, for the support part, James actually has been in my corner and Jeremy and, you know, one of my best friends, Kenny, like, they've been supporting me since day one. Like, not even just for basketball, but just as a person. Like, they don't care if I end up playing basketball or, you know, end up – you know, working an office job at, at home, like they going to be in my corner, like, Hey, we got your back. But, um, you know, specifically I want to, you know, um, give a shout out to James because, um, I was actually before the Phoenix summer league I had. So let me backtrack. So Strasburg, I actually, at the end of the season, I, um, sprained my MCL and, um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, it took me four weeks to kind of, you know, get to running again type thing and you know as I'm healing up that's when I get the letter for um Phoenix Suns to come so I got basically to heal from my MCL and then I have to basically you know get on the court as quickly as possible so I can get ready to kind of you know put my best foot forward for Phoenix and James was kind of the one that had enough time to kind of like get in the gym with me and kind of like put me through workouts. You know, at this time he's getting ready for Delaware and, you know, kind of like, you know, ready to, to enter his job there. So we're kind of helping each other out, but, you know, we will wake up in early mornings and, you know, sometimes late nights and get in the gym together. And, you know, he kind of, you know, helped me push me to my limits, not, you know, knowing that I had the in injury, but also like knowing like, all right, like, 
you got to go a little better than that if you want to, you know, be at this level type thing. So um, I give him, man, I, I, I really appreciated him last summer for, for doing that for me. Yeah. I want to clarify too, when I talked to those guys, when I asked James and, and Quinn all that, they weren't surprised that you made it. It was more so like, they, I, I remember James Pippen said, yeah, like I wasn't surprised when he made it because we always knew Cam was good, you know, back in the day. And I think, you know, same for myself. I think just the fact that you were on those the team with those guys and anybody who seen you play knew you, it was never about talent or ability. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely want to clarify that uh, for the audience. Nobody, I think, is, is surprised by your journey. Just, you know, you it's a very unconventional route coming from where you came from to, to where you are now. Um, last question I ask you, man, is even, I guess, on the flip side, man, I think, you know, Jeremy – has had a similar story to you, right? Coming from Syracuse and um, kind of being underrated, man. Jeremy was never like, you know, the one and done prospect. Eric, he was kind of like linking and awkward at the math and third, ninth pick in the draft, you know, second round guy. And now he's worked his way up as well in the NBA to being Olympic gold medalist, you know, on the verge of, of being an all-star guy, you know, this year with, with Portland. You know, what has it been like for you to kind of, I guess, see him, you know, elevate in, in, in his career and, kind of be on the same trajectory as as you, just kind of you guys are, are both taking those steps, um, you know, as, as you guys are getting older together. Um, honestly, uh, you know, we I try to support or I try to like, you know, brag about Jeremy any, any chance I get, because I know, you know, the route he took. I know, you know, his hard work and, you know, just knowing how hard I worked to get where I'm at, how hard he had to work to get to where he's at. Um, to be honest, like he has like this, um, there's something, there's something different about him. Like um, when he wants to be good at something or when he wants something, like he, he stops at nothing to be good. So for example, like we used to play video games and we would play Mortal Kombat and like, you know, I, we, we would, you know, be neck and neck. Like, you know, I'll win some games, he will win some games, but he would literally tires, tirelessly, tirelessly like practice Mortal Kombat to be nice, like, like, and the way he approaches that is the way he approaches everything. Like if he wants to do something is like, he tirelessly like commits himself to, to be good at whatever he is, uh, um, you know, doing. And I think he, you know, kind of took that approach with basketball and uh, especially this summer, like I've never seen him locked in, like, like I've, uh, like he's locked in this summer and I think it's showing, but um. Yeah, like he he's he's kind of different because he has the ability to to kind of get the hang of something and kind of grow it and kind of like get better and get better and get better. So like just kind of watching his growth and watching his, you know, where he is also not surprising, but you know, it's just been, you know, kind of like a you know, a smile like dang, like you really did this at, at the NBA level. You crazy, bro. <laughs> Hey, last question for you. So my era of DeMatha basketball is a little newer, you know, Justin Moore, uh, Hunter, Markel. I'm I'm a little younger, but um, who do you kind of enjoy watching now? I guess you could say from the new school DeMatha era, who do you enjoy watching, whether if it's in the March Madness tournament or if you just, you know, happen to click on a game? Who have you kind of been, um, I guess you could say, following from the newer era? Um, from the newer era, who do I keep up with? I really like uh Hunter's um Hunter, and I like uh Jameer Young, Hunter Dickerson, and um Jameer Young. Jameer Young started off at Charlotte, and now he he's been I think he was murdering in Charlotte, and now he's about to be at Maryland, and 
you know, I, I played against him and, you know, seen, you know, his talent and his hunger, you know, just through a pickup game. And I think he's going to have a, a terrific year and beyond wherever he goes. Like, I, I really like his game. And then, you know, of course, Hunter. Hunter is, you know, been – He's always been, uh, you know, a hard worker and, you know, he he has a different swag. Like, you know, he a big white dude, but he got that PG swag with him. So it's always fun kind of watching watching him at Michigan and and, you know, kind of like put on for the PG PG area. Nah, yo, Hunter is a character, bro, for real. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. It's, it's crazy being in the media the last couple of years just seeing his little big Dickinson energy shirts, like oh, yeah. I got folks on Twitter. He definitely got the Twitter too, man. It's 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 his, it's his personality is definitely going to take him far. Oh, facts for sure, man. I, and I definitely second you on, on Jameer as well. I had the opportunity. We had him on the on the podcast last year when he was at Charlotte. So I, we, we can say we we kind of seen him before he was at Maryland. You know, what I'm saying diamond in the rough. Right, right. But uh, now obviously, obviously, you know, I got a chance to actually hoop with him this summer too at Maryland. Um, with Kevin Willard, some open gym sessions and stuff like that, and he's definitely gonna have a big year this year at, at UMB. So, so shout out to Jameer for sure. Um, but nah, man, this has been a, a great episode, man. We could keep you on here for a whole another hour just talking and telling us <laughs> up, man. But you know, we know it's late over there in Spain, so we won't we won't uh, keep you up for too much longer, man. But you know, I just want to say, just number one, just congrats, you know, on on all the the success you've had thus far, you know. Like I said, many times, man, just seeing where you started back at the Matter Camp and, you know, watching your journey has been inspiring, bro. Just for me, as somebody who's also trying to work my way up through, through through this overseas ranks and, you know, play at the highest level, man, it's been inspiring for me to be able to see what you've been able to do. Um, and I know it's been inspiring for a bunch of other people, you know, to be able to watch your journey. And I think you're a guy that's super easy to root for, you know, given the fact that you're, you know, you're a humble guy, you're not somebody who's out here, you know, Hollywood, nothing like that, man. And, um, that's going to take you far. You know what I'm saying? And like I mentioned before, man, I'm already knowing that God's going to bless you uh, with that NBA contract soon. And I can't wait till it happens because, you know, we're going to drop this clip on the people, man, and and just show the whole the whole full circle journey, man. So just wanted to say, you know, we're, we're proud of you, obviously, here at the What's In Your Bag family. And, you know, I just want to give you, you know, your flowers, man, let you know that you got a whole bunch of folks that are rooting for you and, um, you know, praying for your success as well, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you for having me. No doubt, no mm-hmm. doubt, my guy. All righty, folks, this has been another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. Make sure you guys are liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast, and giving us a five star rating. It goes a long way, man. We got some bangers coming up for y'all, man. So make sure y'all are telling a friend to tell a friend, man. We've gotten off to an amazing start um, here with this show and definitely can't wait to see where it goes, man. But this is going to be my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the outro. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. This has been another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. Ain't never been a man, you gotta brag now. And you ain't never been the type to finish last now. You made it to the NBA from a class clown. It's crazy how this shit changed. You and your bag now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.